for another edition of the Bar Eve podcast. And you want to talk about um, a scenario where we have had twists and turns and we've went in multiple directions over the last several weeks. And with everything that's happened locally, the success of the girls volleyball team and everything else that's gone on. Uh, originally, part two of the uh, Josh Thompson interview here on the Bar Eve podcast was um, initially scheduled, but of course we've had twists, we've had turns, we've had detours. Uh, but Coach Josh Thompson, um, in the meantime, we've had the first episode of the Josh Thompson Coaches Show, and uh, it's good to be back for part number two. It is good to be back, Mike, and you know I'm not sure that anybody enjoys any part of their job uh, the way that you do enjoy doing this podcast. I, I, I love it like, um, you know, I, I, I love it like I love Thanksgiving. I mean, I think it's that special. It's one of Thanksgiving the, uh, when everybody's there, when everybody's there, when the government doesn't tell you, you know, what, what to do, but, uh, you know, that's probably another subject for another time. Uh, but coach, uh, you know, we've already, we've already recorded part two of this one time and, you know, obviously, we we kind of talked about it and said, you know what, we've had some, we've had some incidents, we've had some issues, and uh, we decided to go ahead and throw that one in the trash can, and we're going to go back and revisit a lot of those issues. Uh, but I think starting out here uh, today, it, it, we we would be a little bit remiss not to talk about the the ongoing issue um, that that's that's taking place right now, and you know, I know obviously people feel very passionately about. Um, one thing or another, um, but we did. We had we had local officials that had to make a difficult decision, and it's a decision that um, I know you or I maybe do not necessarily uh, agree with all the way. But I also understand and respect people who have to make uh, these difficult decisions sometimes. And we've seen, I mean, you know, the facts are the facts, and and we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of a spike um, in the COVID nineteen pandemic here locally um so as of now the season is 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 paused for about another week or so um but just your 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 quick thoughts on that well you know you go back to local officials and decisions they got to make and i've worn a lot of hats in education whether it be coaching uh being a classroom teacher being an administrator and um you know in those various situations you have to make decisions that are not always going to be popular with everybody and Obviously, you're never going to make a decision that, that suits everybody uh, exactly the way they would want it to turn out. So, uh, again, a, a lot of respect for them for uh, decisions that they have to make. And I don't envy, uh, especially with the pandemic, uh, tough decisions that have to be made. That doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. But it does mean that we've just got to, we've got to move on. And, uh, you know, we're doing the best uh, that we can given the circumstances, both the kids and the coaches. And then we also – Appreciate our administration for supporting uh, the team and, and trying to get some changes made uh, sooner than later uh, because we, we really don't have want to have to wait until December 7th before we can get back to the gym and practice. But if that's the case, then we'll roll with the punches. And uh, there's still no doubt in my mind that we're going to get to have a season. And uh, I still I still feel like we're, we're going to play all the games that, that uh, we're allowed to play. Yeah, and one of the things I think we've – uh, proven here locally, at least, is is if you you know if there's a if if there's a protocol thrown our way, if there's something that you know we have to do or we have to do better, or people want to see improvement on, um, I 
I don't think we've ever kind of shied away from that. I know uh, one of the things you've taken to uh, is is you videotape every practice now, and and you and you do that not only because you like to go back and see certain things and watch this and that, but it's also it's almost documentation to prove you know close contacts and and contact tracing and and you know to save save yourself, save a player, uh, and and to just you know, it, it's more visual evidence as to as to something that we have to do to to you know kind of follow protocols. Well, and you know, you, you look at what you're doing and the practices, um, you know, that and measures that you're taking, and you could always be better. And that's something that we're looking at on a daily basis. How can we be better with what we're doing as far as following the protocols? But you know, we're we're filming the practices. Not only does it give us an opportunity to go back and look at things that, that we can improve upon the next day in practice. Uh, but also it, it just is uh, preventative maintenance in case we would have a close contact that we could show that we're distancing and that we're trying to keep kids as spaced out as possible and, and not in proximity with, uh, with others more than, you know, a few minutes at a time versus the six or the 15 minute uh, allotment for close contact. And the last thing I want to, I want to touch on with this is, is, uh, you know, I, we don't have to name anybody by name, but uh, obviously it's, you know, it's a decision that's a, it's a, I think it's a tougher pill to swallow for a lot of people because of how last season ended. But the one thing I have certainly appreciated the last couple of days, uh, we do have responsive local leadership. And whether whether you like the decision, whether you, you don't like the decision, um, it's, it's not like people have made it and then they're, you know, they've gone away and, and, and hid somewhere. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I think they've been out. They've they've explained themselves. They, you know, these are people who've had you know kids in the schools and have contributed to the mm-hmm. community. The, you know, these are not people who, who who take these things likely. And and uh, it's something whether you're a, a Democrat or Republican or 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 whatever you uh, you know you certainly um, you 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 respect the explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you respect it and you move on. Um, again, like like you said, it doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with it, but they're tough decisions that these people have to make and I think one of the important things about being an adult is you figure out okay this is where we're at right now you can voice your opinion and again that's one of the things I've really uh, respected over the last couple days is the fact that when when I've made phone calls those phone calls have either been answered or they've been returned Um, like you said they're they're not just running away and, and hiding from this and I also think that it's good to get the information back that they're willing to listen and they're willing to potentially make adjustments. Yeah, certainly. So that's enough of that. I think that's been beat to death. Um, you know, these last few days, hopefully, um, Governor Holcomb's press conference is going to take place on two thirty on Wednesday, like it's like it's been for for months now, and 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 maybe uh, receive a little more guidance from the state, and and uh, obviously, um, just like we've done the last nine months, Coach. This is if if this is a test, it's been written in pencil, not in pen, and. And uh, you know we we've made adjustments, we've made alterations to to everything. And I'm not talking about it local government. I'm talking about teaching. I'm talking about athletics. I'm talking about just being flexibility. You have to be flexible right now, and that you know that comes from the top down. And and uh, uh, you know we'll continue to adapt and adjust. Yeah. If there's anything that we've learned is is you're going to have to figure out how to change on the fly. And I know on Sunday. Um, I was with my family and I was thinking about, okay, these are the things that we're going to do on Monday on practice to get better from Saturday scrimmage against Evansville North. And then you go from that to getting a phone call at four o'clock that 
you know, schools are um, are going virtual for two weeks and we're not going to be allowed to practice. And you just have to make those adjustments and make the best of what the situation is at the time. All right. Well, where we left off, uh, part one of the uh, of the Josh Thompson story on the Bar Eve podcast is is we were into your playing career, uh, your situation at Bloomfield, uh, the college career that you had at Hanover College, and then your return as a student at IU, and then basically where we left off is 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 talking about your illustrious coaching beginnings, <laughs> uh, third grade basketball, yeah, uh, for your alma mater at Bloomfield. And what we're going to do on part two here, I told you part one was going to be personal and, 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 and player-centric. Part two is going to be all about the coaching stops along the way. And you obviously, I, we, we talked about it last time, you, you've kind of encountered Hall of Fame coaches uh, all over the place. But it doesn't take long at Bloomfield for you to um, – move over to the varsity bench eventually for your own high school coach, Ron McBride. Yeah, when I originally went back to finish up my degree at IU, um, you know, I, I, I had this plan that I was going to go and talk to J.R. Holmes at Plymington South, and um, I called Ron to ask uh, if he had J.R.'s number so I could reach out to him and potentially meet him. And Ron goes, what, what do you think J.R. knows that I don't know? <laughs> and I, I just I got a laugh out of that, and – he said, I'll give you his number. He said, what do you want his number for? And, and I, I said, well, you know, I'd like to see if I can be on his staff. I'm going to go to school there at IU. And he goes, well, if you're going to do that, um, why don't you think about coming back here and, and being an assistant for us? And so originally I was just going to be a volunteer assistant for Ron. And then over the course of that summer, then the seventh grade coach left and the eighth grade coach left, and he asked me if I wanted to coach eighth grade basketball. So I told him I would. I'd coach the eighth grade team and then still help him out. And as the summer wore on and we got into the fall, we couldn't find a seventh grade coach. And so then he asked me, he said, well, would you be interested in coaching both teams? And uh, uh, one of the seventh graders, Jeff Nicholas, uh, was the dad of Tyler Nicholas, one of the players. And Jeff said he would help me out. And uh, so we kind of tag team seventh and eighth grade basketball. And Jeff was the bookkeeper on the varsity team. And uh, so I did that for a couple of years uh, while I was finishing up my degree there at IU. And that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we had a lot of success um, there at Bloomfield at the high school level while I was helping Ron. And, um, you know, John Neal, who's a JV coach at Owen Valley. John was my assistant at Springs Valley, which we'll talk about later. Um, and then Nate O'Neill, who's the athletic director and boys basketball coach at Shackamack now. Nate played for us there at Bloomfield. So a lot of good players went through there at that time. And, um, you know, a lot of good memories of being on that bench and being in practice and being back in the coach's office with Coach McBride. I heard a quote last year, uh, and it was from a guy that I like to listen to from time to time, the former uh, punter from the Indianapolis Colts, Pat McAfee. And he's, you know, kind of built his own media brand, whether it's uh, podcasts, his, his serious XM show, and, and being on college game day. And I just I found, it, I found him to be so fascinating. And, and one of the things, I always thought he was kind of a goof because of the canal swim when he was with the, with the Colts and everything else. But, but I, I started doing some research on him and found out that one time the, the big test that you take before you, you, uh, you know, are drafted into the NFL is called the Wonderlick test. And the Wonderlick test is basically not only it measures your IQ, it measures your critical thinking, your problem-solving ability. And, you know, the year that, that McAfee was drafted into the NFL, he had the highest Wonderlick score 
in that entire draft class. So, you know, he kind of plays a goof from time to time, but it, in reality, he's, he's brilliant. It's I, I think it's part of the shtick. But he had a quote, and, you know, they were asking him about transitioning from uh, the NFL into media. And he the quote was, he basically said the the whole idea of you, you walking into an interview without knowing anybody and eventually getting a job you want is is rare. It's the exception. It's not the rule. And the quote that he used was, increase your network, increase your net worth. Mm-hmm. And maybe being in teaching and coaching, you're never going to get rich, but you finish up your career at Bloomfield, and right off the bat, you basically have an in at Lagodi with Coach Steve Brett because of that Bloomfield connection. Explain that. Yeah, well, Steve Brett was the basketball coach at Bloomfield uh, up until the my sixth grade year, and then he left to, to go to Seymour. And I think if there were any any more, if there was an any uh, worse victim of class basketball uh, than Steve Brett, I'd love for somebody to reach Amen. out to me. Yeah. Because what Steve did is is he obviously coached through his son's senior year at, the Bloom, at Bloomfield. He loved it at Bloomfield. But he always wanted to coach somewhere where they had the sectional, they had the regional. And so he went to Seymour. And, you know, Seymour had that local sectional with Brownstown and Jennings County and those schools. And he felt like that was a winnable sectional. He knew that uh, Lloyd Scott Gymnasium, that's where the the regional went through. And then obviously uh, in in 94 was his first season there. Um, and then, you know, just a few years later, then we went to class basketball. And so things didn't materialize for him the way that he thought because then his sectional became the Hoosier Hills Conference Tournament with New Albany <laughs> yeah. and Jeffersonville and all those schools, B&L and their sectional. So things really changed. But, um, you know, he knew me a little bit from when I was a younger kid in the feeder program, and that's something that I learned from him about having that involvement in the feeder program because then years later that obviously helped me get a job. But um, even before that, uh, I guess I'll go back and, and tell this part of the story because this rolls into family. Um, you know, when when I was finishing up there um, with um, Ron there at Bloomfield, finishing my degree at IU, um, I did my student teaching there at North Davies which you were working there. Nathan Lester was my supervising teacher. A lot of Cougar-Viking combos here A lot of Cougar-Viking combos. So I <laughs> did my student teaching there. That's how I got to know both of you guys. I knew Nathan a little bit before doing my student teaching with him. But I was applying for jobs anywhere and everywhere, and I ended up getting a job over in southern Illinois um, at McLeansboro, which is the home of Jerry Sloan former yep. coach of the Utah Jazz. And we can't tell our friend Brian Emmons this. If you if he finds out that you left his beloved Southern <laughs> Illinois to come to Indiana, he's going to be appalled. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep that on the DL. But obviously, uh, Brian Sloan, who was on the 87 uh, National Championship team at IU, was from McLeansboro. And it was a cool school. It was a brand-new school, brand-new gym. Uh, Kurt Reed was the head boys basketball coach there. And when I interviewed um, – you know, they, they, they liked me for the teaching combo. They were going to have me be the JV basketball coach over there. And uh, so I went over there. I got an apartment. I uh, was coaching all summer there. We went to team camp. And I was taking a class at IU to finish up my the PE portion of my – or Indiana State uh, is where I was taking the class at to finish up my PE portion of my license. 
And I'm driving up 41, and I get a phone call from Coach Brett. And uh, he reaches out to me. He says, Josh, he said, we got a social studies job at Lagodi, and love to have you come down and talk to us. And I said, well, you know, what's the, what's the coaching position? And you know how prideful we are in our youth. Yeah. And he said, uh, well, it's freshman boys basketball. And I said, well, Coach, I said, my goal is to be a head coach, and I've already got this job over in Illinois. And uh, I'm going to be the JV coach over there. And they're telling me, you know, and, and even Kurt Reed had told me it's probably going to be four or five years and he was going to retire. Athletic director was, you know, an older guy. And, and he told me he didn't have that much time left uh, before he retired. So I was kind of playing this out in my mind. I'm thinking if I go over there and do a heck of a job in four or five years, I've got a shot to be an AD and a head coach. And even if that's, you know, over in Illinois, I'm fine with that. And so I, I told Coach, I said, thanks, but no thanks. And so two days went by, and he, and he reached out to me again. He goes, have you been thinking any about this? I said, well, Coach, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't tell you I hadn't been thinking about it. He said, well, he said, not only is Lagodi closer to home, but he said, I will, I will tell you another thing. He said, I've always been thankful that no matter where I taught and coached at, that my parents, see, Steve's parents were from Lagodi, were always able to get to his games. And he goes, being four, four and a half hours away from home, he goes, yeah, you got a chance to make your own identity over there. He said, but uh, it's going to be kind of tough for your, your folks to get to games. He said, uh, I think you need to think about that. And uh, he said, but no matter what, he said, I appreciate you taking two phone calls. And, and so I thought, I, it can't hurt me to go over there and talk to him. And then obviously the rest is history from that point. And, and I ended up taking that job. But the reason why I say that is because I've always felt that things in my life have turned out the way they did for a reason. A lot of times they've been God things. Um, had I not taken that job, I would have never met my wife, who I met at Lagodi. She was, you know, doing a maternity leave and coaching junior high volleyball, and we talked about that on the last episode. But if I don't make that decision, if Coach Brett doesn't make that extra phone call, things in my life would be a lot different today than, than what they would have been. Hey, since you're listening to the Bar Reef podcast, I'm sure you would love to listen to a weekly podcast about local sports here in Davis and Martin County, Birdie's Bourbon and Basketball. Like Bar Reef Sports. I mean, that's all we talk about, right? I mean, the best program in the state. Oh, boy. No, we talk about all the other local teams like Lagodi, North Davis, Washington, and the other local high school teams. Okay. I thought we talked about Bar Reef all the time, though. You do. Okay. And don't forget, we've had PGA Tour professionals, we've had NBA players, so you really never know who's going to stop by. But mainly, it's about local sports in Davis and Martin County. And bar of coaches. No? <laughs> so every single week, wherever you get your podcasts, tune in to Birdies, Bourbon, and Basketball. So your time at Lagodi... Um, that's the one thing, just looking at it from a distance, from the North Davies perspective, then the Barif perspective, and I, I always thought that was was pretty pretty neat. I know you learn different things from different coaches, and I I always thought one of the things that Coach Brett did with you guys, especially you at Lagodi, is, I mean he may he may have rode you like a government mule when it came to work, <laughs> yeah, but he also gave you guys a lot of. It was almost like a laboratory where you got to figure out things that maybe worked well, things that didn't. Mm-hmm. And he and he really, you know, when you're when you're 23 years old, he's he's putting you in charge, um, not of the entire program, but it's you know, yeah. you've got a big job title. Oh yeah, well, you know, I was freshman basketball coach, but um, 
you know, Greg Dean was an assistant coach there at that time, and we both wanted to be head coaches. And Greg went on to be very successful as a head coach and um, and uh, at different stops, different places he was at. Um, but one of the things Coach always told us is he said, if you're going to be a head coach, you have to you have to come in and you have to work every single day just like you're going to be a head coach. So he let Greg and I be in charge of the bitty ball program. He let us be in charge of the travel basketball arrangements. He let us be in charge of summer camp um, as well as coaching our own teams. And I'll forever be thankful for all that because, you know, he was there. Coach Brett was there. It wasn't like he said, hey, you guys are doing this. And, you know, he went out to Boggs and was golfing all day um, or teaching driver's ed. He was there every single day. He was watching. He was he was working with the kids. But it was up to Greg to, and I to be there to set things up, to organize it, to get the word out about stuff. Now, yeah, that took some things off his plate. But at the same time, those were things that we had to prepare ourselves to be able to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. I think successful people figure out why they failed, and they make adjustments from failures. And that was the other thing. Steve didn't see something that was going on and say, no, don't do it that way because you're, you're going to fail. He would allow us the freedom to do things within certain boundaries, and we made mistakes. And uh, and then we would make adjustments from those mistakes, um, and, and I'm forever grateful for, for those opportunities, not just – to be able to do things and, and to work like a head coach when I was very young, but to make mistakes. So several years at Lagodi, and obviously I think you knew from the time you you took that job it was it was going to be a temporary thing, and eventually um, you're going to move up and out, mm-hmm. and basically that's where Springs Valley comes in. Yeah. Tell us about the process of, of, of Springs Valley and becoming a first-time head coach, not only in the state of Indiana – uh, but it's a school that I think maybe hasn't had the amount of success that you would think that it has. But Larry Bird played there. Yeah. It and it's a you you can ask people across the country where's Larry Bird from? Well, French Lake, Indiana. Yeah. No, and, and that was a special opportunity. Um, I'll never forget um, when I knew that the Springs Valley job was open because your buddy, my buddy, Jason Russell was yep. the head coach there. Jason had been the girls and the boys coach, and he did that for a couple years. Uh, um, and he just decided he was going to get out after a couple years on the boys' side. And uh, I remember J.C. was sick. She was at home, and uh, Jamie was teaching at Lagodi, and I was teaching at Lagodi, and I'd taken a day off to stay home with J.C. And so I knew that it was time for me to really start looking for jobs, but at the same time I knew it needed to be within driving distance because financially we really weren't in the spot to just jump up and move. Um, and it's very difficult to find a place where your wife has a job as well. And um, so I just knew it probably needed to be within driving distance. And I'll never forget being on the Hickory Husker website when it came across that Springs Valley was open and that they were pairing it with an administrative position. And luckily I had already worked on getting my master's and administrative license. And I thought, well, this would be a great opportunity for me to do what I've always wanted to do and and get into administration as well. And so I applied for it. Uh, things went well in the interview process um, and, uh, you know, obviously ended up being there for five years. And there were a lot of really good things that happened. And then there were obviously some bad things that happened. Obviously, getting let go at the end of the, the five years was 
not was, laughing at that. I no, just, <laughs> no, I know, I know what you're laughing at, but uh, you know that that I learned a ton. I probably learned more from those kids there at Springs Valley than what they learned from me. And when I go back and I talk to some of those guys, they talk about some of the experiences that they had had in basketball leading up to playing for us at the high school level. Um, and I know that I know that John and myself and Donovan Cruz, who's the girls basketball coach at Paoli now, Frank Decker, who had coached the girls at BNL and Mitchell and Paoli, he was one of my assistants there. And I know that we did a really good job with those kids. And and not to not to cut you off on that, Josh, but you know when you when you took the job, you know Valley is basically they they are in a rebuilding mold, and 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 one of the things that that I know I don't have to make excuses for you as a friend or or anything <laughs> else, but as as an eighth grade basketball coach, which is something that I've done forever, you pretty much get to see what groups are on the rise yeah. and what groups are going to struggle um, year after year after year, and and you see that all the time. And it's you know somebody's great right now, but man, you see their seventh and their eighth grade really struggle, and and mm-hmm. you know in two or three years the bottom's going to fall out. Yeah. I, I I see it yeah. I see it all the time, and when you took the job, I you know I I kind of gave you the warning that yeah. listen that you've got a it's a, this is a big job. Yes. You, you need you need talent. You need a move in. You're going to have to get a little lucky, or you're going to have to work your brains out. Yeah, and, and we had a little bit of all that, really. Um, we really did, and um, you know, we had kids that really worked hard, um, that did the things that we wanted them to do. And you know, I still look back and some of my best coaching jobs, looking over the year. Um, was during that time at Springs Valley. I know there was one year we won 10 games, and I still think about how gritty that team was throughout that season. We had a chance to win the sectional at the end of the year. You know, my first year there, um, Dustin Land, who ended up playing college basketball at Franklin College, he tore his ACL. He was our swingman, 6'5 swingman, extremely athletic. He'd be a kid that would probably start for this Bar Eve team that we've got this year. And Dustin tears his ACL. He was a quarterback. He tore his ACL in the Linton game. So he didn't get to come back until three or four games before the sectional. We played all year. I knew that Dustin would probably come back at some point. He might be 100% or, excuse me, might be around 65 70%, definitely not going to be 100 And that team, we uh, we got on a roll at the end of the year. We beat Eastern Pekin. Uh, Eastern Pekin was ranked number six in 2A. And uh, we ended up beating Trinity Lutheran, who had won 14 or 15 games that year. We beat Crothersville. Uh, who had one of the better teams that they've they've had. Uh, they had a foreign exchange student that year that moved in that was a 6'5 left-handed kid. We beat them. And then we lost to Orleans in the championship game. And I think we ended up losing by eight. But we were actually ahead at halftime. And Orleans um, was ranked number one that year in the state. And uh, they only lost two games that entire year. Both those games were to Borden. And uh, or- Orleans was ranked number one. We had them down at halftime. And so that that year we had a little bit of tough luck because if Dustin was healthy, I think that team probably wins 15 or 16 games. Uh, later on, you know, the next couple of years were a little bit lean, but then we had a move in, Silas Morin, who played college basketball at IU Southeast. Uh, his dad, Mark, came in. Mark was one of my assistants. He's the head coach at Medora right now, does a tremendous job. And you need to do a podcast with Mark Morin one of these times. <laughs> I'm in. You, you definitely need to do that because – uh, Brian Emmons would love to have Mark Morin on the show. That that would be a that would be a tandem. But anyway, um, you know, and then I, I felt like things were moving in the right direction. But then obviously the powers that be 
Um, didn't feel like things were moving in the right direction quick enough. Um, and, you know, I look back and I think about some of the things that we had going at that time. Guys like Tony Whitaker, who was the elementary principal, ended up being superintendent. He was very helpful with our Little Hawks program, which it, we, we really tried to copy a lot of stuff that Lagodi and Bar Eve were doing uh, with their younger kids. Uh, guys like Tracy Tucker, whose son played on this uh, team that won the sectional a couple years ago. And we had the right guys, you know, guys that were Springs Valley guys that were really invested in the program, that were doing a lot of good things with the youth teams. And that that's one of the things that I, I love is looking back and seeing those kids that were in second, third, and fourth grade when we left that ended up having a lot of success in high school. Again, not just because of what I was doing, but because of what we were doing there with the Springs Valley program at the time. And – Obviously, you get you get crossways um, in some local politics, <laughs> and um, you know basically you're let go. Yeah, and I'll never forget where I was at. Um, you know, I was in the gym with John Neal uh, again. John's been a head coach at Eastern Green, and he's a JV coach at Own Valley. And you know, it's after our season's over, and we're in there, and uh, the, the main gym at Springs Valley. I'm coaching eighth grade on one end, and he's coaching seventh grade down on the other end, and we're working like heck because, you know, we think some of these eighth grade kids can help us, you know, two to three years down the road. And um, I'll never forget Troy Pritchett, our principal, who, who I worked with as his assistant principal, and Mark Hammond, who uh, was the AD at the time, coming into the gym. And I thought, man, this is odd because those guys never come in the gym other than just to walk through and set up for games. But they came walking into the gym, and I got done with what we were doing with the eighth grade guys. And, they said they wanted to talk, and we go back to the coach's office, and you know, uh, you know, all three of us were pretty tore up about it, um, you know. But but I knew that 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 wasn't going to be the end. Uh, went home and obviously talked to my wife, and you know, she's a tremendous coach's wife, and we talked about that last time. How lucky I am to have her. But I'll never forget her calling and and chewing my rear end that night because I was so late. She goes, you know, you're just it's just junior high practice. Why are you still at the school at 7:30? And I'm like, I'll talk to you about it when I get home, you know. She's like, I I just don't understand why. So, when I got home, you know, and told her, she goes, I'm so sorry. She goes, <laughs> basically you have a blank check now. <laughs> but um you know, we we prayed a lot about it, um about whether or not I I needed to stay there as an administrator. I didn't want to, but I was like, you know, um, Lord, if this is the end of the road for me in coaching, then so be it. But if this is not the end of the road and you want me to go somewhere else, then um, then you need to uh, open a door for me and I'll put it in your hands. And it, it's interesting how life, again, changes, and I think it's a God thing. Uh, a week later, I get a call from Steve Killian, who's the AD at Wood Memorial. And, and I'm going to stop you right there yeah. because, I, you know, I think this – this speaks to things on a lot of different levels. And I think whether it's on the media side, uh, whether it's somebody you coach against, whether people are always watching you. Yes. And I think over the years, you know, you've coached against people and, you, and you've thought to yourself, man, I, I, re and, and I really like, you know, how, how hard his teams play. There may not be a lot of talent. I'll, I'll give you an example of one, um, the, the North Posey coach, who's now at Evansville Memorial, Heath Howington, Heath who for job. a lot of times when I would see North Posey, th there was just talent gap. 
but I mean, he he coached his kids hard. You could tell they respected him, uh, and and I don't think it's a surprise that I don't think they ever won a sectional at North Posey. But Evansville Memorial, which has a load of talent on the way, mm-hmm. basically says that's the guy we want leading our program. Absolutely. And the same thing happens with Memorial, where you see these things coming. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to you on the phone, and you know you bringing it up and. And I know Springs Valley and Wood Memorial didn't play at that time. And, uh, and I said, Josh, it's going to take a couple of years, um, but they've got some dogs coming. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a sought-after job. And I think that, that, that says a lot for Steve Killian and his standing in the community as the athletic director and administrator to take a chance on somebody who basically had just been let go at Springs Valley when you had other head coaches who were willing to leave their jobs and, and come there. And they, and they had a local guy that, that guys on the school board were, were satisfied with. And that's and it goes back to different people that you coach against. And i got to give Coach Hughes a lot of credit, too, because yeah. when, when that job opened up down there and Steve called Brian and said, hey, you know, um, who are some guys that you can think of? And, and that's something I learned from Coach Killian as, when I was in administration was he, he's like, if you want to know – who's good as a cross country coach or a volleyball coach or whatever. He said, you've got to, you got to do the legwork. And that happened to us at Vincennes. And that's a story for another day, but we were hiring a volleyball coach and we ended up with a good one because, you know, I was willing to go out and do the legwork and, and make phone calls. But going back to that, Brian had told uh, Steve, he's like, Hey, you know, Josh just went through this at Springs Valley. I don't know how well you know him. Well, Steve goes, I trade film with the guy all the time. Like, I'd be scouting in Evansville, and I'd meet Steve Killian at a McDonald's at a gas station. We would trade film back when things were on DVD. So I knew Steve, and he called me and said, love for you to come down and talk. And really what Steve was trying to do was to get some people together so that the board could kind of compare with a candidate that they were wanting to hire. And I went in there, and Steve Severe, who was on the school board, Doug Myring, who's actually one of our community members on the town board here at Montgomery. The mayor of Montgomery. Yeah, those guys were on the school board down there at the time. And I went into that meeting, and I didn't know that I really didn't have a a good shot to get it. Um, But uh, they were impressed enough with me. The superintendent was impressed enough with me to give me a, a shot. And I'll never forget going home and talking to Jamie about it that night. And I said, I think this would be a good fit for us. I really do. But I said, we're going to have to take a significant pay cut because I was an administrator at Springs Valley. And I'll never forget her telling me, she goes, hey, if this is what's meant to be, then it's going to be, it's going to turn out that way and they're going to offer you the job. And she goes, and if they offer you the job, she goes, I know how bad you want to coach basketball. And she said, I think you should take it. So I got the job. I got in there. Um, we had really good kids that worked extremely hard the first couple years there at Wood. We just didn't have a lot of talent, but the the kids that I had uh, that were seniors the first couple years, we we would talk about a lot, uh, kind of what Brent's done at North Davies. We talked about how we wanted to change the culture, about how we didn't just want to win, you know, right away. We wanted to sustain it. How I wanted those guys to be involved with our feeder program with our bitty basketball stuff and every one of those kids bought into it. And you know, kids like uh, Connor Mowry, who now is a youth pastor in Princeton. Um, yeah, I still stay in contact with that kid all the time. He was one of my first seniors, Sam Trader, who went on to play football at Olivet 
it's been very successful in business here the last couple of years um, with insurance and different things. You know, Sam was a football guy, and he ended up uh, being our point guard and just did a really good job for us. And then, like you said, then, you know, obviously everything we did was kind of built around Connor Severe, who was a young sophomore when I took over. And then these junior high kids get there to be freshmen. And because we'd put the time in with those older kids and they bought into the fact that, you know, they knew these freshman guys were important to our success, everything just kind of meshed. And, and uh, you know, from there we, we obviously started being very successful. So – Obviously, it takes you. I think you're you're into year eight or year nine um, of your coaching career, but finally in 2014-15, you guys break through and you win your first sectional. Yeah. And what was that like? That had to be a surreal experience for somebody who had so much success as a player at Bloomfield, and then on the coaching side when you guys were winning the sectional and, and advancing into the tournament, but. To have to to go through those battles and what what was it like? I I think that night you 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 explained it like you were Andy Dufresne crawling out of the tunnel at Shawshank <laughs> Prison like like I am finally in the clean water. This is fantastic and it's and we're going to be good for a while. Yeah, and you know I think you know you talk to coaches about winning a sectional in any sport. I think that first one's probably always the the one that you'll never forget. It's it's better than any of the other ones. And I would still say that, and that's no disrespect to any of the teams that I've coached that have won them since then. Um, but I remember two weeks before the the sectional, I think it was, we played North Knox, and they had, you know, the Muir kid and the Grauman kid. And North Knox beat us at home, and they beat us pretty good. And Connor Severe was our only senior. And I had been telling Connor, I'm like, listen, we're going to win the sectional your senior year. We're, we're going to win it. Um and, and things, you know, throughout a season are never smooth all the way through. And that was definitely kind of a low point for us. Defensively, we were bad that night. I think we gave up 70-some points and uh, just didn't play well. And, and some guys that kind of got into it in the locker room after afterwards. And Connor texts me and he goes, Coach, he said, it's just not going to happen for us this year. It's just, it's just I, I don't see it. We're not coming together. And I, I asked him where he was at. He was on his way home. I said, circle back circle back and uh, we sat in my classroom and he and I talked about for 30 minutes what I had to do as a coach over the next couple weeks and what he had to do as a player over the next couple weeks and I told him I said if there's anybody that deserves to win one um, it's you and I'll never forget after we beat Evansville Day who had a the the Epley kid who's now playing division one basketball um, you know when when we beat them Epley was a freshman, and they had a nice, really nice team, two really good guards to go with him. And when we knew we were going to win and we're subbing guys out and hugging him coming off the floor, and I said, I, I couldn't be any happier for for anybody in the world than I was for him because he really bought into everything that we did. And I've never coached a kid. Kurt Hope is right there as far as playing with the type of motor that Connor played with. But it was every day in practice, you know, every single day. And to see that kid break through like that, that was something that I'll never forget. And, we, you know, we talk about all of this and, and, and back-to-back uh, sectional championships. And I told you when you got the job, 
I, I told you I felt like with the back-to-back classes that they had together, I, I, I just I really felt like they had the ability to advance to the state finals. And, and I'll never forget the, the phone call with you, and it was in the spring of 2016. And you want to talk about a blue bloods, blue chips, et cetera. And, and it's where, like I said, you coach against people enough, athletic directors, other coaches see you, and, and sometimes people are going to call. And Vincennes Lincoln makes the call. Yeah, um, you know, we we got that phone call after my fourth year there, and they had actually, you know, done a little bit of fishing the week before. And Ron McBride, had, they had called Ron and asked Ron about about me and and where I was at and what my wife was doing, and and uh, you know, so. So I, I knew that when the season was over that we were probably going to get a phone call and, and you know, Coach Hine had resigned at the sectional that year. And um, we lost to West Washington my fourth year there at Wood Memorial in the regional championship, and it's a game that I still feel like we should have won. Now, we were also down a player uh, that entire year. Uh, our top returning score from the year before, obviously, Severe graduated, but then Lathan Falls towards ACL and – Lathan's now playing at IU East, and he's had a pretty decent college career. But Lathan uh, had torn his ACL. So our top two returning scorers uh, from the 2015 team uh, were gone, and uh, we didn't have Lathan that season. I think if we had had a healthy Lathan Falls, even with Connor graduating, I I think we probably would have got to the state finals that year. But we ended up losing in the regional. Had a really good year. Um, get a call to come interview uh, for the Vincennes job, and uh, the reason, big reason, why I was excited about that was because Jamie and I talked about how we wanted to get everybody together. See, our kids were going to school at Lagodi. We were living in Lagodi, and I was coaching at Springs Valley, and then coached at Wood Memorial. And and our kids were getting older, you know, and being involved in a lot of activities. And we talked about how we wanted to get everybody together. And so this was a place, you know, that she was excited about moving to. You know, J.C. was excited about moving there because they had a Walmart. Um, I'll never forget her telling my grandma Foley about that when, when grandma asked her how she thought uh, she was going to like Vincennes. And J.C. goes, well, well we're going to be somewhere with a Walmart now. <laughs> uh, you know, she was ecstatic. So we made that move basically as a family move, but then it also gave me a, a chance to go back into administration. Um, and it's something that, you know, obviously we left a lot of talented kids at, at Wood Memorial, which was extremely difficult because that move was different than the Springs Valley move. Springs out Valley move was the rug was ripped out from underneath of us. And we were basically told that, you know, we don't want you here. Wood Memorial, that was totally the opposite, where we we were making a family move, but you're looking at a bunch of kids there that you that you love and and uh, y- you hated to leave. And then we took the Vincennes job, um, and I don't regret it because um, you know we learned a lot of things there that sometimes bigger is not always better. But at the same time, coached uh, a ton of really good kids there, Grant Oxman probably one of the toughest kids that I've ever coached 
Um, if you know anything about his brothers, excellent baseball players there. Grant was a quarterback on the football team, catcher on the baseball team, really good athlete. But he was the only senior we had on our first team there at Vincennes. And then uh, I talked about the West Washington regional loss, one that one that I always think about. Uh, but then my last year there, we lost to Southridge in the in the sectional championship at Southridge after beating Princeton, who was the best team in the sectional on Tuesday night. Um, you know, coming back to beat Washington, who had beat us during the season on Friday night, and then playing Southridge. And I knew Southridge was going to be tough to beat because we were playing them on their home floor. And, and uh, they just did a really good job defensively. Uh, with their matchup and switching defense. So I knew that was going to be tough for us to handle. But the thing that, that really got us that night was Colson Montgomery got unbelievably hot in the first half. And we made some really good adjustments at halftime. Actually came back and took the lead in the fourth quarter and lost that game in double overtime. And that team, I, I don't know that I've ever wanted a sectional for a group of guys more than I wanted it for that team from the standpoint that we had had a point in the season where we lost at South Knox and you are lost against South Knox at Adams Coliseum. And if you're a player at Vincennes or a coach at Vincennes, you don't lose to South Knox and you don't lose at Adams Coliseum. And we did both in the same night, <laughs> both in the same night, lost to South Knox at Adams Coliseum. And I'll never forget on Monday, got the guys together. They had a team meeting after school, um, I don't know if they were going to try to get me fired or what, but, <laughs> but no, they had a team meeting where they they just wanted to iron some things out that they felt like they needed to be doing differently. And I talked to them at practice. And I said, we don't need to do anything different offensively. I said, we, we had a lot of really good shots that we just missed um, that would have made a big difference. But I told them, I said, I got my radio show, which we're doing now. We're bringing back on Wednesday nights. I said, I've got the radio show on tonight. Um, with Dave, and uh, I said, I'm going to go on there, and I'm going to tell everybody that this was all on me, every bit of this. You guys had nothing to do with it. But I said, one thing you've got to promise me if I do that is you've got to give me absolutely everything you've got for the remainder of the year. And those guys did that. The very next weekend, we came out, we beat Evansville Bossy, who was ranked number two in 3A. Makai Larry, who's now playing at Miami of Ohio, he became the city's all-time leading scorer that night. And at one point in time in the second half, we were up by over 20 at Bossy. And uh, so we beat them on Saturday. On Friday night, we beat Evansville Harrison, who was ranked, I think, ninth or 10th, but they were in the top 10 in 4A. Um, they had the Duncan kid that's playing at Vermont and then the Epley kid who I talked about earlier. He transferred from Evansville Day to Harrison. So they had two Division One kids. They had a Division One offensive lineman on that team. We beat Harrison on Friday night and Bossy on Saturday. And so the rest of the year was really good. And then losing in double overtime to Southridge, that, that was one um, that that sometimes at night I wake up and I'm still thinking about it. So obviously you've had those great losses. We I think we talked a little bit on the last one. I know we talked on Albert's podcast, um, the Orleans game in 2015, Still to this day, I, you know, I, you hear the old timers talk about the 1980 WC over Lagodi in the sectional. That that's the biggest tournament upset I've 
I've ever seen. And and certainly what happened in 18 to Southridge was not an upset. It's just it's one of those losses that haunt you. And I know, you know, as you're sitting there in the locker room, you're in one of the, you know, the, the biggest, most prestigious uh, jobs in the state. Um, the feeder programs below you are in pretty good shape. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you get a new three-year contract and, and you think you're in at Vincennes for the long haul. Yeah, you know, after the season was over, I met with the superintendent, which which I did after my first year, and, um, you know, he kind of asked how things were going and changes I wanted to make, and and I, I told him I thought everything was going in the right direction, and I asked, I said, you know, when I came here, I, I had a three-year contract. I said, uh, I'd like to, you know, roll that over. I said, because that would take me through my daughter's senior year, and, you know, we got that passed unanimously, and uh, we were we were on to the next year, which, you know, we, we had some kids coming back. We didn't think we were going to have as much talent um, and athleticism as we'd had the year before, but we still really liked the kids that we had coming back. And then we thought, you know, we're probably two or three years out from having a chance to compete at the regional level, but we might be able to win a sectional or two in the next couple of years. And, you know, you look at those kids there at Vincennes and they've competed and had a chance to win over the last couple of years, but, uh, um, you know, obviously we had no idea that, uh, you know, what the good Lord had in store for us, uh, at the end of July. Yeah. And of course that summer in 2018, uh, coach Brian Hughes, after, uh, a very long and, uh, successful run at Bar Eve, uh, retires midsummer. I remember the phone call I got from you that afternoon. And when I picked up the phone, I basically said, Right away, I, I jumped on you. Right, you know, I don't have a clue about timelines. I don't know this or I don't know that. And and you were calling about something, and you said, "What are you talking about?" And, I was and that, calling to see if you would come play in our Vincennes golf scramble. <laughs> and that and that was the first time you you heard about the opening. But it yeah. but it was open for a while uh, when the Bar Eve uh, position becomes available, and uh, you didn't jump on it right away. No, I I didn't and. It had nothing to do with not not being interested. It had everything to do with the fact that, you know, when your family makes that commitment to all move um, and to change schools, and, you know, we bought a home there that we really liked, and uh, we just felt like everybody was in a good spot. You know, J.C. just come off of her freshman year where she was a starting libero volleyball-wise, like you had mentioned in the last segment. Um, I just got a three-year contract. You know, I loved the kids, and I was like, you know, I went through this two years ago where I looked a bunch of kids in the eye and, and told them I was making a move for family. And, uh, you know, again, to, to say that I wasn't interested would be a total fallacy, but I, I just felt like things were going in the right direction there at Vincennes, and, and we'd made that commitment. And so I had actually made a call to Aaron Ash, and my call to Aaron was actually to recommend uh, a good friend of mine. I said, I know, I know you've got a couple really good candidates, but I said I feel like you know Scott McClellan, who was the coach at Morristown, um, they won a state ch state championship um, and beat our 18 team in the semi state. I said, Aaron, I said I don't I don't know what your feel is for Scott because you only saw him coach one game, but I said he would be my pick that would be who I would want my son to play for and uh I'll never forget how things then played out then on on a Saturday before the interview started on Monday and Tuesday 
Scott called me and my wife and I were down in our garage and we were getting ready to work out and Scott called me and he said, Josh, he said, I want to thank you for all the support. He said, but my wife and I, he said, I stayed up all night last night. I was thinking about this and he said, my wife just took a new job. We just bought a new house um, up here outside of Morristown between Morristown and Indy. And he said, now's just not the right time for me to be making a move. And so one thing led to another and then I ended up again a god thing because scott was supposed to interview at six o'clock on monday night and i ended up interviewing on at six o'clock on monday night and then um you know the the tom petty song the waiting is the hardest part well then it seemed like forever uh before we we got the call about whether it was going to be me or another candidate and obviously we were you know it really wasn't that long but it seemed like an eternity it, for that, us. That that whole process, that that couple of weeks, and talking to, you know, Travis and Jeff and Aaron, it, it could be a whole separate podcast, maybe a two parter. <laughs> as as it, it, it was just the loyalties and the allegiances and the lining up, and you've got this side and you've got that side. Not that I had anything to do with hardly anything. I'm just a I'm just a piddly uh, junior high basketball coach, but. Uh, you know, I'm on vacation. You feel you feel helpless. You're out of the loop, and you know they had that marathon uh, interviewing session. You had you had coaches coming in with with some of their kids, and the kids playing in the gym, and it was just it was certainly a it was just a bizarre time. And and the reality was, it seemed like it took forever, but the interviews wrapped up that Monday night, and by mid afternoon on Wednesday, yeah, you're the guy. Yeah, and and. You know, and then once we got to Wednesday, then everything was a whirlwind. I mean, from, you know, coming over here to meet with Travis and, and Jeff and Aaron to um, meeting with the board then, I think, on that Thursday and, and obviously meeting with my team Wednesday and going back and talking to Steve Combs, who I, I hold in extremely high esteem. He was principal. I was the assistant principal working underneath him, and we developed a really good professional relationship, but we had an even better relationship before that because – he had been the head coach at Vincennes Lincoln, and when I was a young coach at Springs Valley, um, his sons played, and they would come to our summer shootout at, at Wood Memorial, and we would sit up there and we would talk basketball and life, and and so going over to his house and telling him that I was going to take the Bar Eve job. I mean, those are conversations that I've had to have, you know, several times throughout my career, and they don't ever get easy, and and you know that the people you're having the conversation with aren't going to like what they have to hear. But at the end of the day, I've I've always made really every decision that I've ever made as far as coaching and professionally about family number one because my wife, as I've mentioned many times, is unbelievably supportive. My family's unbelievably supportive. But at the end of the day, you know you're you're still dad number one, and you got to take care of family first. And that goes back to the whole bar eve thing. Um, you know one of the reasons why I didn't jump on it right away is because I didn't know how JC would feel about things. Um, but when we talked to her about it and she made the comment, she said, dad, she said, you know, I don't really want to move, but if I, if we were going to move, the only place I would want to move would be to bar Eve and, and to potentially play for Amber. Um, and then obviously that's, that couldn't have worked out any better. <laughs> uh, no doubt. <laughs> but uh, so, so you make the move. And I, I think there's always a moment every time you change a job where, you know, there's some uncertainty and, and you know, you, you that's the one thing I told people about, 
you when you got here is yes, you know, fo- following somebody like Ryan Hughes and w- with almost 600 wins and and you know it, it's going to be tough, but you you had also coached at a place like Vincent's Lincoln, where which is you know a historically great program in the state. I think at the you know while you're there. They, they still had uh, the state record for most sectional championships. So, you know, you had faced down, you know, the barrel of the pressure gun before, so to speak. But, you know, w- what was the moment there early in that first season or what moment where you're like, okay, this is – nothing's ever mine, and I not not to speak in those terms, but <laughs> but th- this is this is my program now. I feel like I'm home. This is where I'm supposed to be. This this feels right. I'm comfortable. What, what was that moment? Mm. Well, there there were a, a lot of significant moments that year, um, but I do remember one big one, and I remember talking to you after and letting you know that it was maybe the most fun I'd ever had coaching basketball before, and that was the Fort Wayne Blackhawk game at the Graber Post Tournament because just the crowd and the atmosphere that was there in that championship game and the fact that we'd played really well, and even though we'd lost, not that our kids were okay with losing, they were upset that we'd lost that game, but they they finally started to really click with some of the things that we'd been getting across to them. Now, I know in January, um, in January, I don't want to say I've ever just thrown up my hands and say we're not going to do this, but we were really trying to implement a ton of motion offense stuff with that team, and that was a really senior-dominated team. And the one thing that I've learned in coaching that you've got to do is you've got to put the players – in the best situations to maximize what their potential is and what they can bring to the table. And I just realized that about the second week in January, that even though we played really well against Blackhawk and we'd done some really good things in transition, which we needed to continue to do, that we were a very set-oriented team. And we had all those sets in, but we weren't running a lot of sets. And I just realized that for that team to really kind of maximize their potential, we had to run a ton of sets and more sets than I really wanted to. Um, but that's what we had to do. And uh, with that particular group and, and we kind of made that commitment uh, about that second week in January. And, and I really felt like that team just really steamrolled after that and obviously played extremely well into the state tournament. So that Bar Eve team obviously uh, knocks off your alma mater Bloomfield heads to the state finals for the first time and 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 after that you know run to the state championship game did you feel validated did you did you feel like you had made the right the right decision well you know one of the things i've learned with that mike is and and you all know this is that when you make a big decision and you made big decisions about changing schools and changing different things that you do before you don't look back and you don't play what if um you know because i could have done that at vincennes about that first year when i've just got grant oxman as my only senior and you know, we're, we're struggling, you know, at Christmas time. And, um, you know, I could have played that what-if game that whole year, but I, I just don't think you ever look back on stuff. And I felt comfortable here from day one, and that's one of the things I've always shared with Albert is and, – and I think part of that is my daughter playing volleyball and, and getting off to a great start her sophomore year, and obviously they won a state championship. But just getting to know people through those events and, and – uh, you know, I think when your kid's a gifted athlete, that obviously helps. Um, we felt very accepted by everybody here. And I just remember this, that we went home. We still lived in Vincennes at that time because we hadn't sold our house, driving back and forth. 
went home after the state finals, got back, um, and we had plans to go to Destin for spring break. And, uh, you know, my wife and my kids are chomping at the bit. They want to go. They want to go. And uh, I told them, I said, hey, guys, we, we've got to we've got to just relax and wait until Sunday morning before we take off. And I wanted to watch the 3A state championship game because Brandon Hoffman, um, a college teammate of mine, is the head coach at Silver Creek. and Brandon's kids played and won that day. And I told – I just looked at everybody because we would already had the vehicle loaded up. I said, everybody get in the vehicle. Let's go to Florida. <laughs> and, you know, the resounding yells from that everybody at that time was, are you serious, Dad? Let's go. We hop in the vehicle. We drive to Destin to go down there for a week with our friends Nick and Corey from Toledo. And uh, actually, Sylvania, not Toledo. It's a suburb. Um, and we get we get down there, and I just remember telling Jamie, I'm like, you guys go to the beach. We we went from July getting the job to JC coming and starting practice uh, to going all the way through that volleyball season. The very next week, basketball season started, and we uh, we then you know go to. Uh, the state finals, so just from August to the end of March right there, it was just something every single day, you know, and the grind of a, of a basketball season, the grind of being a parent whose daughter is out there having a lot of success on the volleyball court. And I just remember that, that Sunday just kind of sitting in the condo by myself and it just all kind of hit me that all this stuff had happened. And... Uh, you know, but it's really turned out to be the best decision we've ever made. Well, that's the uh, that's the coaching career journey of your current uh, varsity basketball coach, Josh Thompson. And, and uh, as uh, the season is paused here for just uh, a little bit, uh, coach, anything you want to plug before we before we close down part two? No, uh, I just uh, again, I think it's awesome, Mike, that you and the media class are doing this podcast. There's going to be a lot of people on here that are going to be way more interesting to talk to than than me and have had a much more significant impact on the school and the community and um, again I just appreciate everything you guys are doing and of course now you can join us every Wednesday night at seven o'clock for the Josh Thompson coaches show live at Redbones Grill all throughout the basketball season as we'll talk about upcoming opponents players area basketball and as always have a little fun so Viking fans, keep the faith. The uh, county health department and uh, local officials, they're monitoring this situation every single day, and it will not be long before you will get to see your Bari Vikings uh, take the floor here this season. Catch us all season long on 95.9, WAMWAMFM.com, and, of course, all the home games on the Bari media Facebook page and it should be a blast this season so stay healthy keep us uh, in a position where we can keep enjoying these moments fun times basketball games sporting events etc and uh, stay safe out there catch us next time on the Bar E podcast we'll have Bar E superintendent Dr. Travis Madison talking about his early life and his journey to becoming the leader of not only Bar E high schools but becoming a learned doctor. For Coach Josh Thompson, I'm Mike DeCourcy. We will talk to you next time. So long, everybody.